Welcome to the How to Buy and Sell a Business, Business podcast. podcast. Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, legal topics we're talking about today is not intended as legal advice for general information purposes only. No attorney-client relationship is being formed by this podcast. We're happy to chat with you. If you've got questions, feel free to reach out to us. You can find information on our website at www.goformandlaw.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Buy or Sell Successfully podcast. My name is Sam Foreman. I'm a business attorney here in Wichita, Kansas. Our firm serves clients in Kansas and Missouri. Uh, and I'm pleased to be joined today by my co-host, Jake Wayman. Yep, I'm Jake Wayman, owner of Orange Theory Fitness. We are in episode five of an eight-part series. Where today we're going to be talking about what are some key terms in buying or selling a business. So just to recap a little bit, um, you know, so we talked initially about how you should prepare to buy or sell the business. Think about the process. Think about the people that you need on your team. Think about the timeline. We talked about how the process worked from kind of finding a deal, doing initial negotiations, really establishing that relationship with your deal partner, thinking about not just, you know, how do we get to closing? How do we get the financing done get everything done on time? But what does it look like after the deal is done? We talked about that a little bit. We talked about who you need to have on your team, how you coordinate with your team, you know, who, what your role is on your team. Uh, and then last uh, episode, episode four, we talked about what are the buyer and seller's priorities um, and really understanding that. And once you get to that point, you know enough about the business, you, you've you talked through some initial terms, um, but now you're really ready to get into what are what are some of the deeper terms, not just, okay, are we kind of on the same page on price? Are we kind of on the same page on timing and structure and kind of the core value elements, but really starting to think about, okay, how does this, how does this deal actually work? And so that's what we want to talk about today is what are the key terms in buying or selling a business? And so first let's talk about what everybody likes to talk about, which is money. Um, let's talk about payment terms. Um, <clears throat> when you're buying and selling a business, it's not always just, you know, here's the money at closing and we're done. Um, there's a lot of different structures that can come into play. There's a lot of different ways to structure that value. And so sometimes it'll be okay. The seller is going to stay on as a consultant or excuse me, the principal owner of the seller um, or one of the seller owners is going to stay on <clears throat> as a consultant or an employee or in some other fashion. And they're going to continue to get paid out over a, over a period of time. We've had a number of deals structured that way where, you know, the real value for that particular seller is it's going to get spread out over a number of years, which might help, you know, for some reason op optimize their tax picture on the, on the deal. Or for the buyer's standpoint, it might just help to, you know, make the deal and the funding of the deal um, work better. Um, sometimes it's an installment sale. It's I'm going to pay you X on this day, and then I'm going to, you know, pay it out over time. Um, sometimes the, the seller is going to have, you know, a note where they're going to be the one financing the deal. And effectively, they're going to get paid out over time. Um, sometimes it's going to be an earnout. Um, earnouts can get real complicated, or they can be really simple. Um, the key on something like that, an earnout is a is a structure where the buyer and seller haven't really been able to agree on on the uh, value, or it's frequently used where the buyer and seller haven't really been able to agree on what is the purchase price going to be at closing. And so they've figured out that how we're really going to structure this is if we hit these particular milestones after closing, then there's going to be this additional payment that's going to get made to uh, to the seller. 
Um, and so those those can be really valuable structures. And so when you think about the deal and you're thinking about payment terms, you know, there's the um, you know, there's a financing component that plays into it. Can you get the money done, you know, together to actually make it work or do you need to get more creative with the timing? There's also, you know, the seller and the buyer's tax priorities in terms of how that gets structured. Um, and sometimes it's the it's lining up the incentives correctly. Um, if I'm on the buy side and I want to make sure that I have enough attention and input from the seller to make sure that the business transitions successfully, I might want to time a really critical payment far enough out there in advance or excuse me, far enough out there um, after the deal closes to make sure that my seller is so invested <laughs> in making sure that I succeed in this deal um, because they want that paycheck. They want that that last paycheck to to come through. Um, and so that's, you know, that can be an important part of, of that. Um, uh, Jake, what was, what was the process like for you as you were doing your deal uh, when you were buying the Orange Theory franchises here to, um, you know, work through payment terms? Yeah, I mean, we went a couple of different ways about it. Um, you know, his motivation was uh, mostly for tax purposes. He wanted to get the full the full payment um, before mm-hmm. the end of the year um, for for his and and it wasn't that he was you know trying to run away from something. It was more what was it to his benefit. And you know, it really he wasn't a key piece in the puzzle of that organization. Mm-hmm. So there was really no need to keep him um, on board moving forward. Um, I mean, we there was a couple of ways we were structuring it because we were struggling with financing. Um, and so there was like, hey, would he be willing to own or finance? And you know, he thought about it, um, came back as a no on that. But we went through a lot of different things, even with the earnouts too. So it, it's being very clear on what you know, you know what 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 their motivation is to to sell and what they're looking for to get out of it too. And you know, for him, it was like we were we could be more successful with us taking the full reign of of the business and moving forward. So you know, for us, our payment terms was you know for him to you know get his check and you know. And and you know step away from from full involvement. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, and and sometimes you know again to that example of hey he wanted to have it done by a particular time. You know you'll figure out that their real priority is you know I want whatever I can get by this particular time because of taxes, and that might put you in a position where you get to get creative on your financing of okay the bank won't do this piece but maybe I can get investors involved and they'll do this yep. piece, um, and then we can make it happen and it'll be you know at a lower price or or whatever. So um, you can there's a lot of ways to get creative with that um, depending on what everyone's priorities and what the what the parameters well, are. And, and kind of in our situation is it, the 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 price fluctuates because mm-hmm. you know you have you can gain members lose members and so revenue goes up right. revenue goes down right. and you know kind of um getting there because if we waited until into the first of the year with january there's always uh, an increase in people wanting to go back to the gym that could have changed the purchase mm-hmm. price and the payment terms and so that's why we wanted to resettle on this price this 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 price and we said okay this is how we're going to get it paid out Right, right. No, absolutely. And you always want to have a really good understanding. You want your team to have a really good understanding of here's how we came to the purchase price. Here's kind of how we how we figured it out so that your team can understand as things change throughout the deal process. Gee, you know, inventory was at, you know, two and a half million dollars on the balance sheet. And now it's, you know, 1.75. Uh, are you sure this number still makes sense? Or should we talk about this again? Um, and they can, you know, have that conversation with you. So, um, l- but that's really important to make sure your team understands here's here's how we've, we've determined price. That's important for buy side and sell side so they can manage that properly. Um, you'll also see, you know, working capital targets frequently be a part 
of things, you know, what are, what are going to be the, you know, for example, the, the current assets minus the current liabilities, um, or what's AR going to be, here's a particular target. If we miss these at closing, we've got to have a true up. So a lot of different pieces that can go involved there. Um, we could talk for, I could, I could talk for four hours on that if I had to, uh, please don't make me, uh, there's also, uh, uh, let's talk about the purchased assets. Um, obviously, obviously this is really important, but, um, when, when we're doing a deal and there's critical value, that's got to be protected. Um, you want to think about spelling it out at the LOI stage. Um, you know, I want to make sure I've got this particular intellectual property. I want to make sure that I've got, you know, these, uh, particular, um, accounts that are getting assigned over or this particular real estate or whatever it might be. You know, what is, what is the value you really want as a buyer and how do I make sure that I've got it spelled out. It's not just enough to say all the assets of the business. Well, yeah. you know, at some point you want a list of at least the key assets of the business. So that everybody's on the same page. Well, and, and I think getting very specific at that. And, and I remember when we were doing our deal, mm -hmm. um, Sam challenged me on this and he said, Hey, we need to know the list of the assets. Mm -hmm. And, and the seller was like, Oh, well just put all the assets. Like it was just literally <laughs> listed. And then, and it was like, no, like you need you to put some pocket lint and some paper well, clips. And yeah. Some <laughs> well, because there's, there's value that comes right. to those. I mean, like it, in our situation, there's equipment that's there. And you know, what's that equipment right. value? that what's coming with that what in the studio is coming with these assets and mm -hmm. making sure that that you know something doesn't walk away that was needed in that in that business right um, moving forward i mean and it's right. it's really listing those out because it gets very that that matters in the final purchase price of you know what's what's going through because there could be a critical piece that was not listed in there that right. you know go that goes with them right and if you're the buyer or the seller you should have a similar interest in making sure there's clarity around what the what the purchased assets are mm -hmm. um, if you're the seller you don't want your buyer calling you being like, Hey man, what about this thing or that thing? I, th I thought that was something that you owned. I mean, that was something you told me you owned. Um, and now you've, you've defrauded me in the process and I'm going to, I'm going to sue you, you know, <laughs> you, you, you know, again, back to relationships are very valuable. Don't end up in that conversation. Um, but, uh, you want to, you want to be as clear as possible. And if you're the buyer, you don't want to be relying on, well, I, I thought this is what you told me, or, or this was, listed in due diligence, you want to point at a schedule that says, I own asset XYZ. And it's real clear and it's part of the deal and it's right there. And we're all on the same page because we've been clear about what matters. You're not going to list everything. Please, please do not list the paper clips at the front desk. Yeah. <laughs> People will, I mean, your attorneys will be very happy to write it up for you because it all pays the same, but um, <laughs> please, please create value with what you're, you're approaching on things. So, um, the but then also think about um, the excluded assets. If you're the seller, think about what what am I not selling here? What, what how is this really coming together to where, you know, I don't you know there's there's pieces I don't want to sell. And sometimes you'll go through that on, on purchase price or payment terms or, you know, gee we can't come to we can't come to agreement on this. Um, but the bank doesn't think that this is worth what I think it is. So let's just have this real estate, for example, not be part of the deal. And then mm -hmm. I'll enter into a lease mm -hmm. um, and I'll lease it back to you. Um, or, or it's just, you know, it just won't be part of the deal or this, this equipment and I'll go sell it somewhere else and I'll figure out how to squeeze the value out of it that I need as a seller. But again, you want to know that up front um, and you want to be really clear about that. So the buyer has a list that they can point to that says, here's what I bought. And the seller can have a list that says, here's what I didn't sell. Um, and so those can be really important. Um, uh, and, and frequently you'll see real estate be on there. 
you know, if you've got if you got a deal where somebody's buying the operating business and they don't want to be tied to a particular location for that long, or or you just haven't been able to get get to the same same spot on that, you'll see real estate a lot of times not being an, an included asset. Um, and sometimes it's the core asset. It's the only thing that matters. And that's why the business is being bought is <laughs> I want that dirt. Give me that dirt. Um, let's talk about assumed liabilities. Um, so Jake, talk a little bit about your experience. You know, when you bought the business, um, you know, what were some of the liabilities uh, of the seller that you were picking up? And so what, what were some of the liabilities that were excluded that, that you didn't have to take on? You know, in, in, you know, again, ours was, ours was a very, you know, I'm not going to say an easy acquisition. There's no such an easy, uh, easy acquisition. This is true. <laughs> but like he really didn't have um, a, a ton of assumed liabilities. I mean, the uh, liabilities that we assumed because we were a franchise is the payments that were going into the franchise. Um, you know, and the liability that we assumed was the was his current lease that he negotiated. We weren't able to renegotiate our lease. We had to assume mm-hmm. his his lease that he had. So, you know, we were kind of put in that place to assume that location, um, you know, and mm-hmm. excluded liabilities. Um to be honest, in our situation, there 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 um, there wasn't much excluded because I really he really didn't have a lot of um, payments he was making out to other folks. Um, really, what boiled down within our situation was, you know, understanding you know what was included when you're purchasing it because we were purchasing membership. You know, we were purchasing people. I mean, that's kind of bad to say that, but but we were we were purchasing a membership base, and I was trying to figure out what is that valued at, and how does that included in there. And you know, we had what you know you call um, goodwill was built into ours, mm-hmm. and what that what that went into play. I mean that that was kind of a, um, I guess you could say an assumed. Uh, liability, if you will, I maybe not thinking about the right way, but you know that's what we were going into is like, okay, here's this one. You know, when we take over, you know, we're assuming that these members are going to stay members with us, and mm-hmm. you know, we had to take that risk going into it. But he didn't have any business loans that we were mm-hmm. were were inheriting when we went through the process looking through that. Um, but you know, it was the we were we were we were put in the position where we had to assume the locations that we were in. We mm-hmm. couldn't move those. Um, we couldn't renegotiate with the franchise or anything. Those were things that we had to inherit through the process. Right. Right. And those are things that you want to, you know, try to get, get a, start getting a, an understanding of pretty early in the process. Uh, if you're the buyer or if you're the seller is to make, to, to make sure that that is understood and it works correctly. Cause if you're the buyer and you're looking at, okay, I'm just buying these assets um, and that's how you're negotiating purchase price. And then the seller comes in with, well, Hey, I, I've also got to have you pay off this line of credit or I've got to have yeah. you pay off, yeah. you know, this, that, or the other thing it, or take over yeah. this, this lease that's, you know, 25% above market mm-hmm. or, or whatever, you know, that's going to change the dynamic and you yeah. want to get out in front of that stuff. Yeah. Um, not just because it's the right thing to do and surprises are really bad, especially late in the game, but because you, you want to make sure that everybody's on the same page, that there's clarity, there's transparency um, on the big stuff, at least. Well, it's even on the contracts that they have yeah. with different suppliers, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's if, hey, I get a very small example. I get my toilet paper from X. Mm-hmm. You know, understanding that because if, if, you know, all of a sudden you take a business and all of a sudden toilet paper stops showing up. You know, right. making sure that you know where those those contracts are at, and and understanding do those contracts need to be renegotiated? Can they be renegotiated? Um, do they need to be canceled? Are there certain right. things that we're spending that he was spending money on that we shouldn't be spending money on? And what do you tell folks if they've got a, a crappy toilet paper supplier? 
if they have you, you get new, to, you get better toilet paper. I, I have two children. And I make lots of dad jokes. I think this is my first one on the podcast. But don't worry, folks. There'll be more. I got, I got dad jokes for days. See, um, like, I, I think is, I'm, 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 a, I'm a new dad. I'm not, even, I'm not very good at dad jokes. That is, that is okay. Uh, you, me, and Stephen Werner can get together sometime, and we will make a podcast of just dad jokes. And I guarantee you, by the end, you will either hate both of us, which, which, which could happen, um, or you will feel completely confident in your ability to dad joke. It'll like probably be like, business. Jake, guess the, guess the punchline. That's what you'll do. And then you'll make fun of me for not getting the punchline. No, you'll, you'll get the punchline. We'll, 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 I promise we'll, we'll make it. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Or, or it'll never get aired. Uh, <laughs> well, but, I mean, and honestly, like kind of like, I know I, he derails us. I bring this back, you know, I'm bringing this back. I'm reeling this back in. <laughs> I just, it's kind of thinking about my, in yeah. my situation is, is, you know, it, it, and I think as a, as a, as a buyer of a business, you should buy with, you should buy with the intent to sell someday mm-hmm. and, and thinking about all these in reverse too. So like now I, I, you, I need to start thinking about the liabilities I'm assuming as the new right. business owner too. What is that worth if I look to, to potentially sell down the road too? You know, what does that look like? Right. And kind of thinking in reverse too, because you want to make business decisions that will, you know, that in the end are going to be relevant for the next person who may buy your business too down the road. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you're constantly thinking about, you know, how do I maximize value in this Mm -hmm. deal? And maximizing value is going to be dependent on what your priorities are and your plans. Mm -hmm. And if your, your plan is, well, you know, I'm going to own this business for 25 years, you know, then your decision to pick up a liability that's going to be gone and completely history in two years, you know, is completely different than if it's, Hey, I'm going to buy this. I'm bringing in some investors. We're going to try to juice this thing up and get ready to sell it in five years. That's a lot different. And you got to think about all those things differently. Um, When you think about assumed liabilities and excluded liabilities, it, there's a similar principle as with the purchased assets and the excluded assets. You want to get out in front of the key things early and you want specific lists. You want it real clear. Here's what I'm picking up. Here's exactly what I'm picking up. I want a list of it because I want to point at it and say, this is what I said I was going to take care of. Or if you're the seller, you said you were going to take care of this. Um, and on the excluded liabilities, the same principle, you want to be able to point to a list that says, or a really clear definition that says, you know, everything except for <laughs> the assumed liabilities is excluded. Yep. This is your liability. Go take care of it, seller. Um, so you want to be real clear on that stuff, but still with excluded liabilities, you want to be careful about definitions and things like yep. that. You want to have a real clear list of the big stuff, at least the excluded liabilities. If there's bank financing or any other meaningful debt yeah. or other meaningful liabilities, gotta yeah. have it on a list. And one, if you're if you're going into purchasing an existing franchise, in, in our situation, is understanding what the requirements of that franchise mm-hmm. are. You know, franchisors are you know you're buying into an agreement with them, and if they say, hey, you have to go update your equipment or update this, update that. You're required to do it regardless as if you just bought this franchise or if you've been in this franchise for years. So it's understanding mm-hmm. those because that's an assumed liability right. knowing that right. if in six months that's coming down the pike <clears throat> that you have to do that because that's something that you're going to have to assume and take care of. Right. And, you know, that, you know, hand in hand with assumed liabilities is going to be something like assigned contracts. Yep. Um, and it's a frequent part of a deal is that you're, you know, picking up the contracts or at least some contracts. 
Um, sometimes you really want those because, you know, your toilet paper supplier makes a great deal for you. And um, I'm trying to think of dad joke, but I can't, I can't come up with one right now that I haven't already told. Um, so, but you've got to, you've got to have those and you've got to understand what those terms are, especially if they have, and used a great example, Jake, with the franchise agreement, if they've got baked in liabilities that you've mm-hmm. got to take on, because frequently when you're assuming those contracts, you're agreeing that at a minimum, you're going to take care of the obligations as the buyer that are the go forward obligations. And if you're the seller, you want to make sure that that's real clear that that's exactly what's happening mm-hmm. so that there's no confusion about, well, this was an obligation you undertook 10 years ago. So I don't care if it's one that's just coming home to roost right now. You got to take care of it. You know, you want to be real clear on on who's doing what on that stuff, so yep. at least if it's any meaningful dollar amount. Um, you know, if it's an order of toilet paper, maybe maybe you don't need that. But don't skip detail. on toilet paper. Don't ever skip yeah, on Yeah, paper. your customers will be... Um, not happy if they don't have toilet paper, um, as will your employees. So everybody wins when there's good toilet paper in the office. Um, now's a great opportunity to remind everybody that our paper sponsor today is Dunder Mifflin. Thank you very much. Um, moving on, uh, key employees and other business relationships. Um, Jake, you've talked a number of times on the on the podcast about the importance of the team that you're um, that you're taking on when, when you buy a business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the same is true when you sell the business. Um, particularly if you're a seller who's thinking about legacy or you're thinking about, you know, the people that have made commitments to you that have helped you build this value that you're now going to go capitalize off of. And you want to make sure they're taken care of is you want to think really carefully about in the deal, you know, how do we, um, protect that value and optimize those priorities. If you're the seller, you might be thinking about, gee, I really want to make sure that you know these employees are kept for at least five years as long as they don't get fired for cause. And you know, I want you to promise me that that you're going to take care of these people. Um, if you're the buyer, you might want to make a condition of closing that, hey, you know, in order for this business to work, I've got to have these three people, and they've got to make long-term commitments to me, or they've mm-hmm. got to have non-competes in place. Because, um, and here's a great example. If you're buying a business that has um, people that are really critical in the sales process or the leadership process and they don't have non-competes, you might be in just as risky of a position as if the seller didn't have a non-compete with you because that person might go across the street and take your your book of business with them. Well, I mean, and uh, that's something that we did is like on day one when we Mm -hmm. came in, we had them all sign new employment agreements Mm -hmm. and um, non-competes because, you know, we were they were employed with a new organization. And, you know, what we did is we made sure that like, hey, who are the list of employees that are here? And we didn't let anybody go. We we hired all of them, but we had them sign new non-competes because, you know, in certain industries, I mean, that the relationships matter and people will follow a relationship. um, um, If a a key person leaves that they have a relationship, they're going to follow them. And, you know, and that's I think that's so crucial is to making sure that you you know who all the the employees are, you know, making sure everything is is, you know, all tight and ready to go because it is, I mean, there's a lot of things, key employees, cold, key information that, you know, can make a break organization. Right. Key value, usually key risk as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, which kind of takes us to a, to a related point, you know, restrictive covenants that's going to be, you know, non-compete, non-solicitation, um, non-disparagement is one that a lot of folks may not be familiar with. Um, defamation is when somebody goes out and lies and causes damages, um, that's a gross oversimplification, but, um, what, what, what a non-disparagement says is I don't care whether it's true or not. If it's bad, 
you can't say it, or at least you can't say it in public. And so that can be really, really important um, as having that as part of the deal is you don't want somebody who's been close to the business, who's prominent to go out and then badmouth it and cause a bunch of damage. Um, especially in today's hyper-transparent world of social media, um, there's just a lot of ways for damage to occur really, really fast. Yes. And you want to have some kind of protection there, especially whether it's with employees or with you know, buyer and seller. Especially when you're talking about toilet paper too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, then think about risk sharing. So this is something not a lot of folks are, are real familiar with, but this can be a really key deal term. Uh, and um, over the last several years, it's become an increasingly uh, important deal term for folks to think about is um, survival of representations and warranties and indemnity caps and deductibles or baskets. Um, we'll have uh, at some point an entire podcast just talking about all this stuff. So I'm going to keep this really high level. Um, the reps and warranties that a seller makes to the buyer are really important because the seller is promising to the buyer that certain things are true. This list of assets is accurate. This list of employee claims is accurate. Um, this list of, you know, my toilet paper inventory is accurate. You know, all of this other stuff um, that's really important because the buyer is relying on that to say, I'm going to go spend all this money on this business. I need something promising me what I'm buying. Mm -hmm. And so, and as a seller, you want that to be really clear because you want to be able to point at that and say, I didn't promise you anything else. This is what I promised you. Um, but the survival is important and it can be a key term because it says at some point, um, I'm off the hook as a seller. Um, this stuff dies at some point and you can't come sue me eight years from now because you found out that you know, the closet where you thought all the um, all of the extra, you know, televisions were turned out to be empty and just cobwebs. You know, you, you can't, you can't do that at some point. Now, legally it'll, it'll, it'll expire at some point, but, um, what's been more frequent recently is, is that these terms have gotten more aggressive. And I think a lot of that's because of how hot the market is in terms of buying and selling businesses, um, which is for the sellers to have a lot of bargaining position to be able to say, Hey, you know, maybe it's a year, maybe it's two years, maybe it's three years, um, except for critical pieces like ownership of the assets, um, where at that point I'm off the hook. And so you'll see a lot of negotiation around that, um, indemnity caps, um, where the buyer's obligation or excuse me, the seller's obligation to make the buyer whole if something turns out not to be true or if certain things happen. Um, you know, sometimes you'll see it capped as low as I've seen it as low as 10% um, of the purchase price. And I've seen it at 50% and I've seen some that don't address it at all. It can be all over the place depending on the nature of the deal, but that can be a negotiated thing. And then you'll see deductibles or baskets. Um, the whole principle of I'm not going to nickel and dime you. I'm not going to come to you and be like, Hey, um, I've got, you know, uh, something where it, then let's use the toilet paper again. I mean, the toilet paper, it's just a great example. We're going to talk about it. You know, let's use the toilet paper as an example um, uh, of, of deductibles because it really is a good example. If you had a deductible that said, hey, we've got a, you know, we got a Main Street M&A deal and somebody's, you know, paying a million bucks and, um, you know, you want to say, Hey, if, if it turns out that my inventory list that had, you know, 80,000 rolls of toilet paper and it's in a 79,000 rolls of toilet paper and, and you're out two grand, you're not going to come you know, to me and say, Hey, Hey man, you know, you owe me 20 bucks. You owe me 2000 bucks. It's going to be a deductible, for example, where it's like, Hey, we got to get to a particular dollar amount before I, as a seller have to write you a check to make you whole on something. Um, baskets work a little differently where it's, hey, we get to a particular point and then you go back to dollar zero. And so there's there's different ways to structure that stuff. So 
Um, and that's a wrap on episode five. We'll call this the toilet paper episode. Um, what are the key terms in buying or selling your business? This is episode five out of an eight part kind of overview where we really want to make sure that we're trying to provide folks with good information to help empower, equip, uh, and educate them uh, as they're looking to buy or sell a business or, or maybe transition to the next generation of ownership. So, uh, we hope that you have, uh, enjoyed this. Hope that you have a wonderful day. Make sure that uh, if you're running a business, you've got a great toilet paper vendor uh, in line. So thank you all. We'll talk to you next time.